Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio, on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. I also acknowledge and respect the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, and I extend that respect to any First Nations people we might have here with us today. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Joyce Cacho about leveraging business operations, entrepreneur experience, and how that relates to governance and risk oversight as a board director. First, let me tell you about Joyce. Joyce is on the boards of Sunrise Banks and World Benchmarking Alliance, and she was formerly on the board of Lander Lakes Incorporated. I'm intrigued to know what that is. I might have to ask her that in just a moment. Joyce is a corporate board director with regulated industry experience, where she builds on entrepreneur C-suite leadership roles in banking and manufacturing. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Joyce. Thank you so much, Helia. It is awesome to have you here. Well, we were talking off air about you're a friend of Hallibank Jorgensen, who was on the podcast recently and a guest and also the prompter of a Take On Board book club. So yeah, it's great that we've got a little little community of, of take on board people developing around the world, which is lovely. <laughs> Very nice. Now tell me before, I'm going to ask some background questions in a moment, but I am intrigued actually about a couple of things. Well, Sunrise Banks, I'm assuming is a bank, but maybe it's not. You can tell us that. World Benchmarking Alliance, I'm intrigued about, and I am particularly intrigued about Board of Lando Lakes Incorporated. Can you tell us a bit about each of the boards you're on or have been on and what those organisations are? Terrific. Happy to. Sunrise Banks, comma, N-A, is a bank privately owned here in the United States. It is headquartered in St. Paul, Minnesota. And the N-A means that it has a national charter. So the way our banking system is here in the U.S. is that you've got state charters, chartered banks, you've got nationally chartered banks, you've got credit unions, you've got all manner of different regulated financial institutions, and there is a class of financial institutions which are state regulated and as well as 
have a national charter, which means that they can engage in business, embed in their strategy, national products. So that's a neat little bank. It has how much? A billion dollars of assets under management. So that's fun where I serve on the finance and audit committee and the BSA and compliance committee. World Benchmarking Alliance is a global nonprofit headquartered in the Netherlands. And they, through other partnerships before I joined the board had identified 2,000 companies around the world who could greatest impact the achievement of the SDGs by 2030. And part of the board interview, I did my due diligence. And many times you have organizations that call themselves world and they've got no relationship to the African continent. <laughs> and I was pleased when I did my due diligence that in fact, they did have a world footprint in terms of their 2000 companies. And there I chair the operations committee. Landa Lakes, which has caused a lot of intrigue. The name comes from the fact that they too are in the state of Minnesota. And the tagline for the state of Minnesota is land of a thousand lakes. Uh And it's a farmer owned enterprise, which has what, 15 billion in assets and a rather large board served on the company board as in the capacity of enterprise risk management. And yes, it's just about a hundred years old, just over a hundred years old. And I was the first woman to serve on the board, the first African-American to serve on the board. And uh, what did I have in common with the, the men on the board? We had bald haircuts together and um, some by choice and some by, gen- by, by genetics. Oh, I love that. Fantastic. Bold by choice. It's like, ha see, I can choose it or maybe not choose it. Oh, <laughs> oh, how fabulous. Thank you. That is so good to know. You know, it, it's sometimes you reel off the names of these organisations. It's like, well, what, what is that? So you've got such a diverse portfolio, banking, you know, a global nonprofit of around the SDGs and formerly farming. It's just fantastic. And one of the things I confess I love about board work is that you get that diversity of, of thinking and things that you can delve into. We will talk about governance and risk oversight as a board director in a moment. But as always, people of the Take On Board community know that I love delving into a bit of background first. And in your background, we have tennis playing we have computer science, we have performance piano training for a young Joyce Cacho. So I'm wondering if you can tell me how that contributes to your thinking as you journeyed to the role of board director of a Fortune 250 company. So um, thank you for being interested in the personal aspects of a young Joyce Cacho. I had the good fortune of being a tennis player. I come from a family of tennis players. Computer science came into my life because I went to a high school where I could express my math interest uh, gene in the direction of computer science, which was quite the forward-leaning opportunity at the time. 
And then classical piano playing, I have been doing it literally since the age of four. And what those have to do with my journey to the board room of a Fortune 250 company is that I learned that practice, 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 (laughs) training is important. And that by doing that, it doesn't limit the pursuit of excellence. In fact, it gives you ways to measure what you are setting out to achieve. In the case of performance piano, it is knowing the, the notes so well that you then express your inner self through how you perform the piece. Yes, a Beethoven's Fairlease has been played a million times before, but when I play it, it's a little joke that I used to play on my mother who loved hearing me play the piano. If she had made me annoyed, I would play it staccato. And I knew she was on the other side thinking she was going to really enjoy my piano playing. And it was, yes, passive aggressive way of responding to being annoyed. But again, because I had the discipline of training, I could choose how to perform that piece to satisfy not only myself, but possibly get mother's attention also. The same with computer science. When you learn a programming language, you learn how to structure your thinking um, and pursue a particular outcome. Now, when you're a high schooler, one of the outcomes we used to enjoy in that class is just before the bell would end, would ring to end the class, we would put, put it in an infinite loop and the bell would ring and the, the paper would keep kicking out and we would happily all run out of class. Of course, we got the what for by, by the next day, but we were all laughing, you know, computer <laughs> science humor, who thought, right? And so I think it was really important training for when invited to apply for the board role of Land Lakes Incorporated, for me to know, am I prepared? Yes, mm-hmm. I had self-sponsored and joined the National Association of Corporate Directors. I, by then I was a governance fellow. And so as I interviewed for the role, I could clearly see the role of governance in bringing the board along to look at enterprise risk management as they brought on operations investment in the international arena, as well as pursued using technology to strengthen farmers in the ESG arena and discussion that's the burning issue of the day. I love that little bit of background there. I always love hearing a bit about background and, um, you know, the tennis playing, piano playing, setting the printer to permanent print. I love it. It is, And it is such a beautiful way of reflecting on those just the different ways you can learn the skills that are needed for the boardroom because it is a very diverse set of skills that are needed. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I love, yeah, I love it. So, you know, you just touched on it there, enterprise risk management, technology and why it's important for strengthening ESG. You know, and I know for you, leveraging business operations and having that entrepreneur experience is really important for the governance and risk oversight as a board director. 
where should we start with that? Where Where's a good place to start to explore it? Let's first look at that and how companies are valued. My finance background, and I led strategic research for Rabobank International for five office networks. And I'm so happy that the word intrapreneur um, is becoming more commonplace. I didn't invent the word, but I'm certainly thankful for the whoever did, uh, because that's the kind of role where at Rabobank, with an investment decision-making research background, I was thrown in at the deep end to bring to life how banking business could be improved with knowledge. And so they leveraged my research background to then say, join the management team to bring this vision alive. And the vision of improved profitability meant that I could work across the organization with sales, with credit, with products up in the investment banking. And so it just becomes one of those ways in which you get deep insight on how companies are valued because you're literally at the table trying to figure out how to bring clients along, not only with structuring the lending, the credit product, or the syndications of that credit so that you have more capital as a banking business to operate on, but the kinds of hurdles you put in so that we have a mutual check-in between ourselves as a bank and the client to make sure that operations are going as was presented and reflective of a strategy. Again, bringing that into that experience into the boardroom. And then the experience on the manufacturing side, where I was a global chief sustainability officer, again, having line of sight to marketing, R&D, the investors, meant that how do we look at not only marketing, as a reason to expand utilization of a, of a product that improves productivity. And I know this might be getting into the weeds a bit, but you have to understand your product and what has made the company successful to date. And when you are carrying that mandate for change, then it's not about being less successful. It is being more solidly successful going forward. And to me, understanding that as an entrepreneur, I am trusted to be a leader of how do we embed change in a way that makes the, the company more solid directly translates to how I listen and how I talk in boardroom settings. Oh, that again, there's your link. But, you know, we've got tennis, piano playing, computer science, and then being an entrepreneur. And again, what that has taught you or shown you and the skills that that has built. Oh my God, I love that little connection. Little connection. It's not really a little connection because it's a big leap. The listening, the deep listening to be able to then make change. And you referred to one of the changes just a moment ago about when you joined the board of Land Lakes. I think I've got that right, Land Lakes board, because it's a farming organisation and you talked about, I think, using technology to meet some of the ESG challenges and opportunities. Can you tell us the story there? The story there was, it's almost systems work. Mm. So farmers are stewards of the land. And 
if you're stewards of the land, it also means you're stewards of the water. It also means mm -hmm. you're stewards of the air. It also mm -hmm. means that you're stewards of the community. And at the time of my joining the board, Land O'Lakes had made two investments in Africa, where I have some living and working experience. And they had acquired through a merger, a technology uh, company with drone capacity, right? Mm -hmm. And it was in many ways getting better data about the farm so that farmers could be even better stewards of that intersection between land and water and people, yeah. right? And so mm -hmm. while the focus of profitability had been production, we can all go and find the data on milk per cow because they're dairy farmers. And, and we can find uptake data on uptake of fertilizer because another division of Land O'Lakes are farm stores, is farm stores. Mm -hmm. But it's how do you then go from a production-focused company to a company that does what everybody's trying to do a better job of, use your own data rather than have other people create data about you. So use your own data, your own stakeholder data, and improvement in accountable environment, social, and governance, corporate governance. Mm -hmm. yep. And these were the, the issues of the day. And here I come, who enjoys all that she's learned through computer programming, structure. I certainly understand data, having been a researcher not too long ago, earning my, my doctorate. And then, of course, having the international experience, when the discussion comes in the boardroom, it's not textbook contributions. It is authentic, on-the-ground choice who gets to be in that boardroom and respond to what may seem like two different avenues. But believe it or not, the commonality is on the continent of Africa, in emerging markets, they're rapid adopters of technology because they don't have the lagging, needing to pay off old assets kind of thing. They're looking for solutions that will bring change today. So I've had that experience in emerging markets. And then of course, I understand that, that improved data can only help their contribution as historical stewards of the land and of water and of communities be sharper in what they do. I'm thinking about influence in a way in the boardroom because some of that thinking I imagine might not have been the way they were thinking prior to you joining the boardroom is my guess. Maybe that's not right. I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm thinking it might have been a slightly different way of looking at things. And I'm just wondering if you, if you can share, a, if you had to use your influence skills to get attention on some of these things, encouraging others to also think about these sorts of things. Because I think I also heard in there, did I hear before when you were doing the introduction, you were the first woman in the boardroom there? I think I heard it's a large board. You were the first woman and, and the first African-American woman in the boardroom. Did I hear all of those things? You did. <laughs> so undaunted in that I had practice, practice, practice. Some say that's the way to get to Carnegie, Carnegie Hall as a performer. But I will there say that I walked in 
with training and exposure mm-hmm. and commitment yeah. and a brand of being a change maker yeah. in, in rooms of peers of the Land O'Lakes type, right? And so I often say when I do some pro bono work for a group called How Women Leads, they're California headquartered and just really wonderful about bringing women into the arena of board work, board service. And in my introduction with the, the cohort, and this is back in the day before so much virtual, said if you don't like coffee, then board service is not for you. Because the influence you have inside the boardroom invariably begins over coffee. Or tea, I must say, as a non-coffee drinker, uh, I've got my pot of tea sitting next to me. But yes, I agree wholeheartedly, although not necessarily on the coffee. If it's not coffee, then it's, you know, that small group that gets together at a particular table over the board breakfast. For me, it's less about saying what I think should happen, you know, I'm, yeah. how come this hasn't happened? Why? But asking the question, that's where the question asking begins. Am I the only one that finds it strange that when project implementation reports are, are brought to the board, that there's no mention of the ES, ESG hurdle in the project? So yeah. nowhere in the, if I'm the only one, help clue me in, where in the capital internal capital allocation funnel do we address ESG? And then, you know, John would say either, why are you asking that? Mm-hmm. Or I've never thought of it that way. And so over breakfast, yes. over coffee, a bus ride to a site visit, or now over Zoom, bilateral chat, yes. right? In a board meeting, you get somebody asking your question in their own way. So they mm-hmm. take ownership. So it's not a scripted thing. In many ways, I really like that way of influencing because it's amazing when people take your, I, I shouldn't say take my idea, but when there's buy-in yes. and then it comes from different committees on, in, from different parts, literally of the room, then you have this sense of the team who are the board have something that they would like management, the executive leadership team, to have some answers about. Yeah, it is all uh, ringing true for me. Absolutely. So then I'm wondering, you know, another story you might be able to share with us about when you joined the board of Sunrise Banks NA. As I understand it, they were expanding their business in fintech partnerships. And again, you know, you leveraging that experience that you've had and those influencing skills. I'm just wondering if you can tell us that story as well. That story is one that that I should really expand on and and write something on. I have had the good fortune of having a career in emerging markets as well as the U.S. I actually lived in Nairobi, Kenya at the time when fintech was taking off. When you live in in that kind of situation, you literally understand how transformative innovation is at a societal level. And had peers and colleagues talking about how they could better support their family network 
because of the reduction in the transaction cost of supporting family and rural lands, where before there was a lot of uncertainty, they would want to do it, but it meant that somebody would travel from the rural home area, and then it became urban living with somebody used to the rhythm of of rural time. And so there was this mismatch and invariably wringing of hands and you can't ask questions because it is family, et cetera. And FinTech came along and smoothed that all out. You need money up in the in the country, on the countryside, via cell phone, via via mobile, yeah. it could be sent. So I understood it yeah. to be a revolution, right? Technology-based yeah. revolution. And so I come back to the US and we've lagged in many ways, portability of cell phone numbers, and of course, in FinTech, right? Mm-hmm. Brick and mortar, um, for all intents and purposes, rule the day until fairly recently. And here I had the good fortune of hearing the president and CEO of the, of the bank speak about financial literacy, inclusiveness, mm-hmm and the role of FinTech. And it stood out because it was a US perspective. Now, I will say that that bank, Sunrise Banks is a member of the Global Alliance on Banking on Values, uh, the likes of Triodos Bank, and you can look at the list of banks on there. And so being a purpose-driven bank, because they are a certified benefit corporation from their founding, which means that purpose is in their article of incorporation. I didn't know that when I heard this, and it was music to my ears. I would travel to Minneapolis and St. Paul quite regularly. Coming out of banking and sales, nothing has ever told me I shouldn't cold call for something I'm interested in. And so I cold call on Sunrise Bank only to find out this N.A., and they have this national charter, and they are there supporting the growth of fintech because of their commitment to financial inclusion in the U.S., so closing gaps of access to the greater economy. And so here I am, fully versed in how transformative this can be. And also, I was equipped with a designation of Certified Anti-Money Laundering Specialist, which is a certification I earned so as to communicate the integrity component of my brand very clearly. So if you're going to talk anything nefarious with Joyce Cacho, you will think twice. Not saying that it would not happen, but that CAM certification says, (laughs) she she may have practiced in this area also. She might know actually what we're asking her and we don't want her, don't want her to understand that. Yeah. So mm. the, the bank has gone from strength to strength on supporting the growth of fintech in the United mm. States. I've learned a lot. I would like to think I've contributed quite a bit to the questions that are asked mm. in the committees. There again, prepare, prepare, prepare. And listen. Oh, two key lessons. Oh, I have so enjoyed this conversation, Joyce. Oh, so many things buzzing in my head. So I'm wondering what what are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Elia, thank you so much. The time has really flown by. And what I would really like to leave 
with your community of uh, Take On Board are three things. I've mentioned ESG, and as recently as this week, The Economist came out with a cover story about ESG. And I really have to say they had the audacity to suggest that the only metric that mattered was the environmental metric and that it's about carbon footprint. And with all due respect to The Economist, (laughs) I would like to say that transformation, which is what companies are expected to be part of today, requires the intersection of the environment, Mm -hmm. of social impact, and included in that are closing the systematic growth that we know of, um, Mm. that's been documented, the wealth gap, and good corporate governance. So focus on the intersection of those three. And I've shared with you an article I wrote for Board Talk, where I said, we're past discussing whether or not ESG is what strategy of tomorrow is about. And I I give all the questions to be asked of the three main committees of the board. The second thing is that how you respond to the E, how you respond to the calls around climate change is critical. Are you responding in a way that empowers, empowers those who have been systematically marginalized across time? Yes native people, people of of African cultural heritage. And I speak especially in that area to the American market, to the US market and the European market. And the third thing is that in this demand for transparency and data for GHG, greenhouse gas emissions in scope one, scope two, scope three, be very intentional, bring the same level of intentionality in the kinds of jobs that that is created and the kinds of targets that you set up. And how do you pay those people? Because they too, those behind us, those around us deserve the same choice and luxury of choice that you and I have today. Oh my God, three beautiful takeaways for people to reflect on there. And um, I have no doubt the take on board community will take the call. We've talked about a number of resources already, so I'm going to put, you know, even how women lead and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You know, you talked about, I think it was the Global Alliance for Banking Values. I think that's what it was. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes, B corporations, all of those sorts of things. In addition to those things you've already mentioned, is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Spoilt for, spoilt for choice <laughs> here. Or resources, maybe I should say. <laughs> You know, when this is your area, you kind of consume the stuff um, regularly to stay on top of it. I really do recommend the board committees are key to embedding ESG artifacts fully open and available, so not behind a paywall. I listened just last week to a really good podcast on KPMG's Privately Speaking, their podcast series, and the name of that one is how companies can be anti-racist. For half an hour listen, you get your return on your investment of of time. Um, And with companies choosing to remain private for so long, it's from their private enterprise division. And and I think there's a lot of takeaways there. ESG and the board linking organizational purpose with strategy 
to foster sustainability comes from the group, the, the Savoy Network Group, leading thinkers, think leading doers in the area. And then there's a wonderful article, which I think everybody will enjoy. And the title says exactly what we know to be true. You can't get there from here. It's time to really talk about ESG materiality. Yes, it comes out of a law firm, but this is a law firm that actually supports business in their transition and the pace of their transition, helping them to get on board quicker than the current movement. Oh, amazing. Okay, we'll put links to all of those things in the show notes. And you know, what's ringing in my ears a little bit there is practice, practice, practice. So some reading and then listening as well. Beautiful. Oh, Joyce, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom, share your stories, share your insights with the Take On Board community today. I appreciate it. And I know I know that those that are listening in appreciate it too. So thank you. Thank you, Hella. Your leadership in putting together this podcast, doing something that you were looking for and didn't find, took charge, is really highly appreciated and a super example of how we should live our lives. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd really love it if you could also do some of the other podcast things. Share with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And, well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.